Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Everybody say the earth. Replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Everybody say the earth. This is so powerful to me. It's a concept that I believe is still the will of God for his created beings as mankind. Um, I believe it was last year that I preached a sermon to this church as a challenge to go beyond the garden. And uh, I'm going to touch on some of that concept today. But what I've come to preach to you, I felt it just burning in my spirit. I've come to preach to you this morning that you were made for more. You were made for more. Now the word of God that we're going to receive today is good seed. And it's looking for some good soil where it can bring fruit. If you are hungry today to receive the word of God... I'm going to ask that you would just lift your hearts towards heaven right now and say, Lord, I want there to be a place in my heart to receive your word. Whatever you have for me today, God, I want it. I'm thankful for what I've had up until this point, but I don't believe, Lord, that I have everything that you have planned for me. And so I am hungry for more. God, if there is more of you that you want to reveal in this place, if there's more to this glorious gospel that you want to reveal to me, reveal it, God. If there is more to this walk of faith than I have been walking, reveal it to me, God, that I may walk it and know you in the fullness of who you are. In the name of Jesus, let the church say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'll do my best today to get in and get out and get the Word of God preached to you. I don't ever want to rush the Spirit of God, but as I began to think about the Genesis account, the beginning, I feel like there is a principle that happens in this opening bare sheet, as we would say in Hebrew, the opening account of Scripture that is a principle that we've got to get a hold of, and that is, what was God's intention? What was God's plan? What was God's idea before it got corrupted? Now, this is going to mess with some of you today, but I want to tell you that the church is perfect. 
Marriage is perfect. There's nothing wrong with marriage. And there's nothing wrong with the church. Except for people. The garden was perfect. Except for the people. The plan of God was perfect. Except for the people. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you this morning that the number one enemy to the plan of God in my life, don't let this show you for a curveball, the number one enemy for God's plan in my life is not the serpent. The serpent has no power and authority in my life that I don't give him. I am the greatest threat to the plan of God in my life. I know the devil gets a lot, he gets a lot of accolades for the things that he has done. Blessed be his name. He gets a whole lot of accolades for the things that he has done. The devil destroyed my marriage. The devil destroyed my life. I, I, think, I think it's uh, something made famous by children that stick their hand in the cookie jar. The devil made me do it. Right? The devil's never made anybody stick their hand in the cookie jar. You know who does it? I do it. Because although it is his plan to steal, to kill, and destroy, the rest of that verse tells us that the devil, who is a roaring lion, is roaming to and fro. Notice this permissive language, seeking whom he may devour. But on the first Sunday of 2024, I wish somebody would just hold their hand of faith up and say, no, you may not. You are not welcome in my life. You are not welcome in my family. You are not welcome in my faith. You are not welcome in this church. Come on, somebody realize who you are today. You have the authority to tell the enemy no. And so... As I began to unpack and unfold this, this narrative and this story as it goes in the scripture, I find the original intention of God, and if, if I don't get anything to you but this today, I need this in your heart, the original intention of God for their life was by far more than they accomplished. God's plan for my life is always so much bigger than I could imagine. But it is the constant back and forth, ebb and flow in my daily walk with God that is going to get me to the place that God needs me to be to work in my life. I preached to you a couple of weeks ago about the walls of Jericho falling and how that it was the trumpet that sounded and the shout of the people when the walls fell down. But it was the daily walk in obedience for seven days that brought them to the place that their shout could be effective. And believe it or not, there were people online that argued about the fact that it's the walk that makes it happen. You know why? Because that's our nature. People from the online audience said, oh no, it's a trumpet that made the walls come down. 
We understand that. If you want to be honest, it wasn't the trumpet at all. It was the hand of God. But it's my daily walk and obedience to God that brings me into alignment with the place that my shout makes any difference at all in where I am. I'm preaching to you on this first Sunday with good purpose in my heart that God is not looking for somebody that can break every record you've ever had in January of the year for hours prayed and days fasted. He's looking for somebody in January that will say, Lord, for the rest of the year and the rest of my life, I'm going to be faithful to you. I don't care if I break records. You know, I've spent a lot of time, not as much as I need to in recent months, I've spent a lot of time in my life in, in a gym, and you can always tell the people in the gym that come every day, and you can tell the people that want you to think they do. It's so funny to me. Uh, the people that come in and they just, they have no order, there's no, nothing, they just start grabbing weights and throwing and screaming and grunting. You look over and you're like, dude, that's not the first thing you've curled this week. There's been some Twinkies in your life. Come on, I know I got some people raised in the 80s in here that knows what some some hostess ding-dongs are. Come on. It's funny because you can tell people who are disciplined and who walk it every day. That doesn't mean they're in the gym every day, but they're, they're walking it every day. They're living it every day. It's, the value is not in how much weight you can push in one setting. The value in redeeming your health and your body is how often can I be here? What decisions can I make? And this is the way the kingdom of God is. And please don't think I'm getting started off on a negative foot. But we got a lot of people that come in here on Sundays to break the bench press record. But they don't have the discipline when they leave the house of God or the, the gym. To go home and make some good decisions about what's going to bring the most results the next time they show up. Can I help somebody in here today? God made me for more. He made me to be more. He made me to do more. But the enemy has got my focus narrowed down. To where I cannot see the blessings of God. If you read on in the second chapter and the third chapter of the book of Genesis. The Lord tells them you can have everything you want in this garden. Eat of every tree that you want to eat of in this garden. But there's one tree that you cannot touch. What was the trick of the enemy when he came into the garden? The focus was not on the blessings of God. The focus was not on the abundance of God. The focus was, what is God keeping from me? What is he trying to take away from me? What is it that God is trying to steal from me? 
And so now we realize and understand what truly happens. The Lord told Adam and Eve when he created the garden, it was a place eastward, it said. So it was a specific area. In other words, the world was not the garden and the garden was not the earth. It was a place in the earth. And he said to them, everything that's in this garden, I want you to dress it and I want you to keep it. Everything that's outside of this garden, the earth, I want you to subdue it. I want you to have dominion in it. I want you to go outside of this this local area and I want you to have dominion. So where did the greatest fight come in their life? It came where they presently were. They did not get destroyed and fought by the enemy because of what they had done for God. I got to slow down and get this to you. If I spit this to the fifth row this morning, you're going to miss it. Their fight from the enemy was not based on what they had done. It was based on what they could do. They were literally being fought because of their potential. Their potential was subdue the whole earth. Their potential was dominion in the earth. But you've got to learn to win in the garden, in your personal life. You've got to learn to win in privacy. You've got to learn to win when nobody else is looking. You've got to learn to win when there's not a church family there to pat you on the back. You've got to learn to win when there's nobody else in the room to see what you're looking at. You've got to win in your life when there is no encouragers. I want to tell you this morning, God created you for more than attending a local church. Thank God for the church. And thank God for faithful people that are here every time the doors are open. Thank God that you don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Even so much the more as we see the day approaching. But God created you for more than occupying a seat. God created you to walk in dominion and authority. God created you to not just walk in dominion at the church but to walk in dominion at your job and to walk in dominion in your school. Can I tell you today, the will of God for your life is more. More. The will of God is more. But you're fought on less so that you never accomplish more. I want that to just settle in here this morning. I said you are fought on less so that you never accomplish more. Have you ever looked back, if you're married, have you ever looked back on some of the biggest fights you've ever had and you realize your fight was over less? When you you look back on it, Now, I'm not going to speak for any women in here, but I'm going to speak for a man. And I'm going to tell you, I've had times that when I walked away and got by myself, I thought, that was kind of dumb. But but we, I'm going to speak for all of us, we want to be right. 
Come on. We would rather win than be correct. We like winning. And so this is the spirit of justification in the church today. I can do less for God and still win because nobody is going to tell me what I need to do for God. And we let the enemy start playing with our minds in less. And we start justifying how little I can do to get by and still make it to heaven. What really, when we ask the question, is that a heaven or hell issue, what we're really doing is we're saying, is that the least that I can do and still make it to heaven? Well, I'm going to tell you, I plan on going. I'm going. Whatever it costs me, I'm going to go to heaven. But I pray that between now and the time that I go, if I go by the grave, that it's a long time. If, I, if we're going in the rapture, he can come right now as far as I'm concerned. But I want, I want it to be crystal clear. There's a lot of time between the day that I was born and the time that I leave this earth. I've got a lot of time to fulfill. And my plan in 2024 is not to just pace myself through the year and say, okay, God, I'm going to give you the least that I have to give you and just make it. If 2024 is the year that you come back, I hope when you come back that I've done just enough to make it. No, I don't just want to make it. And forgive me if this sounds crazy to you, but I'm going to tell you my desire is not just to make heaven. My desire is to be hell's worst nightmare. I want to wake up every day of my life and destroy every spirit that has come against my family in the past, that has come against this church, that's come against your life. I'm fighting in this city not just to make it to heaven, but I want to see every chain of addiction destroyed. I believe this church and the power of God has enough authority to turn around the drug epidemic in this city. I want to destroy the kingdom of darkness. I'm not satisfied to just go to heaven. I want to walk in the room where a doctor said there's nothing else we can do. Pray the prayer of faith. Hey, God, raise him up off of their deathbed. I was made for more. What I'm about to say to you right now, please don't take this as being insensitive. Please. But I'm telling you in my life, we are going to come to the place that we don't just have to say, well, it's the will of God that they die. The Bible said that there was a blind man, and when the Pharisees asked, they said, who sinned that this man would be born blind? Jesus said, this had nothing to do with sin. He was born that God would be glorified. I'm here to speak in the name of Jesus with an anointing on me right now to spirits of infirmity that have latched themselves to your life. And I'm here to declare today by the authority of the Holy Ghost, you've had your run, but your season is over. 
I'm not just here to go to heaven today. I'm here to declare to somebody, you're going to be free in the name of Jesus. I'm here to declare to blood pressure in the name of Jesus. You've got to come under the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm here to speak to the sugar in your body that's imbalanced and declare greater is he that is in you. I speak healing. You were made for more. We were made for more than going to heaven. We were made for more than the rapture. We were made to walk in dominion and authority in the earth. You were made. You were made for more. You were made to walk into your house. Call it old-fashioned. Call it foolish if you want to. But you were made to walk into your house and get you a bottle of olive oil. And walk to every door and every window in that house. I feel a boldness on me right now. And say, devil, you have wreaked havoc in my home long enough. I'm anointing this house. And this all represents the blood of Jesus. And I'm taking this house back by the authority of the word of God. I was made for more than this. I'm not going to be captive to every whim of the devil. I was made. Somebody shouted to me. I was made. I was made for more. I want to tell you, church, not being insensitive, please don't think I am. But I'm going to tell you, I think sometimes the problem is that we're not sick and tired enough of being sick and tired. I think sometimes we have to deal with things because life happens. And I think other times we let the enemy walk on us. Hmm. I used to preach it all the time when I was a, a kid preacher preaching youth camps. But I used to preach about Bobo the Clown all the time. That old blow up the toy had sand in the bottom of it. Man, I've preached about Bobo all across this country. When I was a kid, they got WWF characters and put, them, put their faces and bodies, the wrestlers, on a Bobo body. Man, we did everything we could. We'd drop kick them in the face. We'd pick them up, sling them across the room, bounce them off the wall. And it was so amazing when Bobo hit the floor. He stand right back up. We'd punch him again. Boom. Here he'd come. You know what I felt this morning? You, whatever. You can think I'm nuts. I was standing right here preaching, and the Lord showed me that little toy standing back up. You know what I feel like the Lord's telling me right now? I feel like some of you got punched this year. 
feel like some of you got kicked this year. Some of you feel like you got thrown against the wall this year. But devil, I got a comeback in me this morning. Because I was made for more than this. I was not made to be walked on. I was made to be victorious. I wish somebody let the devil know this morning. You may have gave me your best shot, but I'm still standing. You may have given me your best shot, but I am still here. The devil is fighting you on less because he doesn't want you to have more. If he can beat you at less, hear me this morning. You will never walk in more. Well, pastor, that's not really biblical. Whatever the will of God is in my life is going to happen. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But that is a lie that the enemy continually sells us. I agree. The will of God is going to be done. But I've got to quit expecting God to do for me what only I can do for me. Listen, thank God for the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost don't make me go to church. The Holy Ghost changes my want to, and I'll start wanting to go to church. But understand me today, as long as he can keep you confused and confounded and frustrated in less You will never experience more. But I'm rising up on this Sunday morning to declare that somebody has had enough. You have had enough. And and the devil know today I am challenging you because I'm going for more. Whatever the will of God is in my life, it's just going to happen. I wonder if you got a chance in eternity to interview Judas if he'd feel the same way. Do you honestly, God, think the will of God for his life was to lose everything over 30 pieces of silver? Are you hearing me? Less, 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 30 pieces. It feels bigger right now because it's 30 pieces more than I had, but Judas... You don't understand what you're gambling with, son. You are settling for less. Oh, God. You are settling for 30 pieces, but you're not going to be present at Pentecost. He got hung up on less. My God, I'm preaching this morning. He got hung up on less, and he never experienced more. Church family, listen to what I'm telling you. He walked with Jesus for over three years, broke bread with him, watched him heal the sick, was involved in miracles, signs, and wonders, saw the dead raised, saw the blind see. Saw the crippled walk. 
But do you think maybe that's why Jesus said, in that day many shall say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not heal the sick? And he says, depart from me. Judas was present to see the miracle. But the reason Jesus came was not just to do miracles. He came to establish his ecclesia, his church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I want to tell you, Judas, the gates of hell can prevail against you. If you let it. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's not going to happen. So you got stuck in a place that you, you transitioned in your mind and you gave away all access to authority and dominion and you let the enemy tempt you with less so that you would never experience more. Can you imagine in an estimation of time, depending on exactly when he hung himself, but let's just use the round figures that we see in the Bible, that for 40 days with many infallible proofs, and then 10 days in the upper room that he hung around them, I don't know. But let's just say in the worst case scenario that Judas killed himself the day that they were going to the upper room. Just say. I'm not preaching this doctrine. Let's just say that you walked with him for three and a half years, but 10 days before he releases what he came to do, you get hung up in less. Well, the will of God's going to be done. You know what it is? Because the church had to sit down and say, okay, we're missing somebody. So we're going to cast some lots. We're gonna, this is the first time there was ever a vote in the church. What are we going to do? And they have to get a replacement. Church, I don't want God having to find my replacement because I am replaceable. I don't want God having to find my replacement 10 days before the rapture. There's going to be revival. There's going to be outpouring. There's going to be harvest. There's going to be miracle signs and wonders. But the question is, will we be present to see it? Or will we get hung up in less so that we never experience more? I wish I had time to, to jump deep into this this morning. But in Luke, the 17th chapter, there is a really powerful parable that Honestly, there's probably not a week in my life that goes by that I don't think this and pray this. It's, this is one of the craziest parables, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, that Jesus teaches. And he talks about this servant that comes in, and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, and the, the husband of the house says, come in and sit, sit down. He said, which one of you? But have a servant that you'd come in, let's sit down and eat before your family. He goes through this whole ordeal. And in Luke 17 and 9, he's talking about that this 
servant did everything that he was commanded. He said, doth he thank, thank the servant that he did the things that were commanded him, I trow not. And then, verse 10, this eats my lunch on a weekly basis, literally. He said, likewise, you, somebody in this room say me. When you shall have done all the things that were commanded of you, am I doing enough to make it to heaven? Maybe. But I was created for more. He said, when you've done everything that's commanded, say. It's quiet in here, isn't it? We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty. Now, I'm going to take you to a biblical reference. I'm not walking out of the word here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your... That's your duty. That's it. But if you've done everything that's commanded, line by line, give me chapter and verse for that. Okay, there's your chapter, there's your verse. Okay, I'm doing it. You're unprofitable. You know what he said happened to the unprofitable servant? He was cast into outer darkness. Now that's scary because that's a very fine line of Am I going to make it to heaven? Am I doing just enough to make it to heaven? Apparently, somehow, when you listen to the way Jesus teaches, he doesn't just want us to obey the commandment. He wants us to bring profit to the kingdom of God. What's, what are you saying, Pastor? You were created for more. You were made for more. Thank God I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God I've been baptized in Jesus' name. But that's not all there is to this walk. If all it was was just to make me feel good when I spoke in other tongues, then I'd just speak in tongues one time and it'd be over. I'm telling you, it is a work every day of your life. You're going to have to come to him every day. Say, God, what is it you want from me today? What do you need from me? What do you want from me? I do not want to be unprofitable. I'm almost done. Stay with me. I'm going to tell you something. This may shock you, and I've got to like really fast forward through this. My great-granddaddy used to say that the, seat can, the, the mind can only comprehend what the seat can endure. And that's true. But I want to tell you, I'm thankful for grace, and I'm thankful for the covenant that we have of salvation through Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, if, if we were still stuck under the law, some of us would have great trouble. And I'm going to tell you why. Argue all you want to, but I'm going to tell you what the law did above all else. It exposed sin. Paul said, I wouldn't have even known what sin was if it wasn't for the law. It exposed sin. And it created a lifestyle of serving God. The Jews 
from the way they dressed to the way they ate to the way they walked, the way they talked, the things they did, the days that they worshipped. What, it was all because of the plan of God. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, y'all with me? Shavuot, Jewish feast. Why were they in Jerusalem for Shavuot? Because they were commanded to be. Are you with me? It was one of the two traveling feasts that they had to be in Jerusalem for Pentecost. The conversion that happened, and this messes with people when you talk about this. They use one scripture that he came to his own and his own received him not to say that the Jews denied it. That's not, that is absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, for the first somewhere between 10 to 13 years, Jews were the only ones that received him. God, God didn't make a new church called the Gentile church to replace the Jews. That's replacement theology. We've been grafted in. Somebody say grafted in. So there's not going to be a Gentile table and a Jew table when we get to heaven. Same as there's not going to be a black table and a white table. And you can go ahead and put that in your pipe. We need one another. I said we need one another. I don't know how it's going to work when we get to heaven. We're going to stand in a line. But if you think it's only going to be white people when we stand there, you've lost your ever-loving mind. We're going to stand there with our white brothers and our white sisters and our black brothers and our black sisters. We need one another. The body of Christ is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. We need one another. There's no room for that in the church. So I, I want to make this crystal clear. These Jews that were in Jerusalem, I've got to hurry. They were there because they were commanded to be there. But the only conversion that happened at Pentecost for them was the understanding, the revelation of who Jesus was and the revelation of the new birth, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying by all rights, when they were converted, they were already holy. Every one of them were disciples to the law. But isn't it something that God said to this group of people, 120, then 3,000, then 5,000, you were made for more than just commandment. I'm getting ready to pour my spirit out. And if you'll be present, you will experience the power of more. I know. This is kind of a twist. I know. I don't want to be the wet blanket. I rejoice over the 3,000 that received it. But how many do you think? The Bible said some received and some did not. How would you like to have been in Jerusalem having the opportunity the day of Pentecost when his spirit was poured out to receive it, but you got stuck in less so you never experienced more? 
the same chapter of Luke 17. With this, I close this morning. As soon as we leave the unprofitable servant, the Bible said that there were ten lepers that came to Jesus. And the Bible said that he healed all ten of them. But there was one that returned and came back. Luke calls him a stranger. You know why he was a stranger? Because he was a Samaritan. What I'm saying to you is that 90% of that crowd knew the law. 90% of them knew when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They knew it was the law that they needed to go back. But the one that didn't understand the fullness of the law realized the power of what had just happened in his life. And this is a concept that I don't know if you've ever thought of like this, but I want to submit this as I'm closing this morning. Think about this. Could it be that when the ten of them walked away and he looked down and realized that he had been healed, could it be that the conversation that transpired in his brain that day was this? If he could do this much for me in one touch, what do you think he could do for me if I went back for a second touch? This is, oh God, the one that came back with a praise on his lips experienced more than the rest of the crowd. You know why? Because if he'll touch you one time, he wants to touch your life again. He doesn't just want to touch you on a Sunday morning and you walk out of here affected but not changed. He wants you to come back and be made whole. This is a walk with God. Thank God for the one that came back and said, I was made for more. Let's stand all across this house this morning. Oh, yeah, I've been healed. But could you imagine what's going to happen next Sunday? Woo! He did a work in my life on that Sunday morning, but you know what? I think I'm going to come on Sunday night just to see what he's going to do tonight. Mm. I was praying in the prayer room this morning, and I said, Lord, please don't let this just be another service that we come because we have to. You know, some of us, we're satisfied to just show up. And we put it in our calendar and we know that every Sunday morning we're going to have to be here. But I'm going to tell you, for somebody in this room this morning, this was not just about what time does this church service start. For somebody, this was about if I don't get an answer today, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Somebody came here desperate this morning saying, my family needs a word from God. Somebody came here desperate this morning saying, I need, I need a healing in my body. I need a healing in my life. Well, I want to tell you, you're in the right place at the right time. Because you were made for more. And there's more in this house right now. All across this room, I wonder how many of you would open your hearts to the Lord. Say, God, if you have more for me, I want it right now.
I don't just want to live my life attending church. I want to live my life being the church. I want to live my life showing your power to this world everywhere that I go. Come on, family. It's got to be about more than faithful attendance. It's got to be about...